Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. Yeah, so we, we have been chatting for, gosh, like 30 minutes. Chase like, just won't stop talking. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Yes, it's all my fault. Um, me and yeah. Abigail are just sitting here listening, <laughs> validating. <laughs> Something tells me that's not the case, but I'll let those who are listening to be the judgment of that. So, um, how are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. I'm doing great. How are you, Chase? <laughs> doing great. Cool. Feel you're ranty like, today, so I was going to say you all never have to mention you're both feeling pretty ranty today. So this could be a spicy episode. Who knows? <laughs> um, but. Let's dive on into this so we don't waste any more time of the day. Um, but we have a couple of really good questions that we are going to dive into today. Um, first, Joyce asked, I need to lose weight for my health and I don't know how to get motivated. So I love this topic of motivation, um, but I'm going to let one of you guys take a rant on that first one. <laughs> oh, me? Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, we'll take this. Uh, so you want to lose some weight but you don't know how to get motivated. I think Abigail actually has a fantastic talk about this. Um, She's something she talks about all the time when we go live together about how you are a motivated person. You're just, what are you motivated to be doing at that time? And I think that's fantastic. I'll let her elaborate on that a little bit more. Full credit to her there. Um, But I think that it comes down to saying, fuck motivation, because it's not something that is going to be around very often. If you try to rely on motivation for your fitness journey, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna struggle because it's, they're gonna wake up on a day and be like, damn, this bed is really warm. My cat's laying next to me. It's cozy in here and I don't want to get up and you're not going to, because you're like, I'm not motivated to do it. But if you had to um, look at motivation as a, a different way, like if you had to put food on the table for your family, you're motivated to do that. So like, what are you motivated for? Where are your priorities at right now? What is your, why, what does this mean to you? And I think going back to that question of like, what is it costing you in your life to remain in the same place that you are at currently right now? And just kind of looking at that, I think is a great start. I'll let you, one of you guys jump and I won't rant too much to start. <laughs> I think um, it'd be good for you to elaborate a little more what he was talking about there. Yeah. I'll piggyback that. Um, you are. Yeah. So we, as humans have motivation, every choice that we make is solving a problem some way, somehow. So you are motivated to make the choices that you make. Um, and motivation goes both ways. People often use it to say, I'm motivated to work out. I'm motivated to make healthier choices. It has a very po- positive connotation to it. But like Brevin said, you can also be motivated to um, sleep in. You could be motivated to eat brownies every day. Um, you could be motivated to make other choices that maybe are not in the positive direction you want to be moving. However, when I look at your question deeper, I need to lose weight for my health. I don't know how to get motivated. So the first part, I need to lose weight for my health. Um, I would want to dive in deeper. How exactly is your weight affecting your health? How is it affecting your 
quality of life? How is it affecting your joints, your ligaments, your heart health, your triglycerides, your A1C? What exactly um, on your health metrics are you struggling with weight specifically? Um, because that will also help you find some motivation. If, if you are having some maybe diabetes type issues or PCOS or something that's directly weight related, it can be a good motivation to say, Hey, I want to work on my weight loss because I don't want to put up with these symptoms and have to either, you know, advance to medication at one point or have some sort of limiting, um, like CPAP machine or something that I'm going to have to use on a daily basis. That's going to get in the way of my lifestyle. The other question I would ask is who told you you need to lose weight for your health. Because when I'm tying this back into motivation, the statement, I need to lose weight for my health is saying that maybe a doctor or a parent or a partner or a child or society or a nutrition coach, or someone else has told you that you need to lose weight for your health, which is great. I'm glad someone is advocating for you. I'm glad someone is, um, you know, you're having those conversations with people. Um, However, that is all what we call external motivation. So it's motivation coming from other people. So that input from your doctor, that input from wanting to show up and be like, you know, the same size as other people in your fitness class or things like that. It's all external motivation. If you were to come to me and say, I want to lose weight for my health, that's going to be more of an internal motivation. That means it's something that you want because you understand that your quality of life will be better. Um, you'll be able to do more of the things that you love to do. You're going to feel more strong, more capable, healthier for a longer time. So I want to lose weight is going to be an empowering statement. That's going to have more of an internal drive, which just by default is going to keep you more motivated from a internal point of view versus I need to lose weight where there's some sort of pressure, which can sometimes come with shame or judgment or feeling of failure. If you don't follow through, um, and you might be doing it for someone else rather than for your own good and health. So just a couple of things to think about. And I think that really goes back to like, what is your why? Like, what is it costing you in your life to be where you're at, to have some of those things that you just talked about? But another way I like to look at this is like, what do you gain from actually accomplishing that goal? How does your life improve from actually accomplishing that goal? And I think you also, you made a good point about taking it from like extrinsic motivation, intrinsic motivation, and it's more momentum rather than motivation. And the way you build momentum is by stacking wins and proving to yourself that you can do this and you become your own motivation. Like I really like when I am this person, how I feel when I do these things and proving to myself that I am that, that healthier version of you, whatever that means for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, just kind of reiterate, you know, with everything you guys have said, it's like the, the biggest takeaway for I have for this is like, also like, stop looking just for motivation. Like I used to like the use the analogy of, you know, one of my mentors compared it to like a match, basically, like you can light the match and, but it's going to burn out rather quickly. That's how motivation is. Like you may get motivated for a quick moment, but that motivation isn't going to last forever. Um, yes. I do think it's important to use that match to light other things when you have it lit and, you know, use that motivation to get started with other things. But the most important thing is going to be looking at it is you're not going to get motivated to take action. You need to take action to see the results you're looking for to then build on more motivation um, from the results that you're getting. So I think that's another thing just to really point out here is like, sometimes you're going to have to just take messy action, you know, you know, imperfect action just to get your foot, you know, one foot in front of the other. 
And yes, it may not be perfect and that's totally okay, but that's getting away from that all or nothing mindset and really focusing on more just like, I'm going to take some sort of action to get starting some sort of progress. And when I say progress, I'm not talking about just weight, like progress in all areas of your health. Um, you know, if you're just feeling better, more energy, better sleep, better mood, you're getting stronger in the gym, like whatever that progress may look like to you, use that result as more motivation to continue your journey. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings that, that you say is, is all or something rather than all or nothing. Mm-hmm. I love messy action too. That's a good one. Yeah. I also want to add, I saw this today and I thought it was a really, really good question. Someone asked, would you rather hit your goal weight or have your goal body? And I think there's a difference there. Big and especially difference. if you're wanting to lose weight for your health. So the specifically Joyce, you were saying for my health, what does that healthy body look like? And focus more on the things that will produce your healthy body, which will probably hint, hint, be some really good strength training, um, a lot of walking, some good sleep, some outdoor time, grounding, meditation, things like that versus just chasing your goal weight, which is going to be restriction, trying to eat healthy foods, cutting back this, cutting back that, doing that, like more of the dieting mindset. So I would start thinking if you are losing weight for a health perspective, start thinking about your goal body and what that body looks like, how it operates and the kind of things that you want that body to be able to do. So one could say chase health. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why we call it chasing health rather than chasing weight. (laughs) It's like when they say the name of the TV show or the movie in the TV show or movie, like, Oh, he said it. We broke the fourth wall. (laughs) Um, Matrix. <laughs> um, all right. So let's dive into the next one. Um, Annie H said, talk to me about metabolic toggles. How long should one stay in each area? If you're trying to really change your body currently, I'm trying the E L E L. Should I change it up? How often trick my metabolism? I've heard to go to E M E L for like two days, every two weeks. What are your thoughts on this? And so I wanted to just kind of start out a little bit to give a little bit of context around this. Um, because I'll be completely honest and I don't know about you guys, but I had no clue what this all meant. Like when I first looked at it, I'd never heard of metabolic toggles. I've never heard of the E L E L E M E L all this other stuff. Um, so look, I've ever heard of is E L E everyone love everyone. <laughs> um, and so I looked it up and it's by this guy, Jade Teta, Teta, I don't ever say his name. Um, but apparently he's some guy that has made a lot of videos about talking about this. And it's basically like eat less, exercise less, eat more, exercise more, eat less, exercise more, eat more, exercise less. And like all these different phases to like change up your metabolism and check your metabolism and all these other things. So it's kind of a little bit of a, and I feel like I'm going to get my two cents in here before I unleash you to go into like these full blown rants here. <laughs> Hence why I took this question first. Like I always see this going. Um, but so basically I, there's really you don't no... have to be nice. <laughs> All right, I'll just I'll just call it. It's bullshit. Like it's it's. I mean, like a lot of this is just like way overthinking it. It's just to me, it's like some random guy created this to like another type of marketing scheme. Honestly, if you ask me, um, the really sad thing is, it. I'm pretty sure he's a doctor. Oh, gosh, let's not even go. I'll I'll let you say that one for your rant. <laughs> but um, looking into this though, you know. I don't think that you're not going to really, you're not going to trick your metabolism. You're not going to have all these fancy different ways of you eat less, move less, eat more, all the, all these other different 
different ways of moving your body and, or, you know, change up the way you're eating and all this, like you really just need to focus on consistency here. That's going to be my biggest takeaway from this is like, rather than focusing on like, how can I trick my metabolism? How can I change things up with my metabolism? Your body just needs consistency right now. It doesn't need to be tricked up every couple of days and weeks and things like that to, you know, trick it and feel like you're going to beat the system. It, it A lot of times you just need some more consistency here. And so we need to figure out what's going to work best for you and make sure you're fueling your body enough. You're moving your body enough. Not notice I'm not saying eat less, move more. You know, I think that's a very, you know, overused statement for a lot of people that means absolutely nothing. It's like, it's really got giving anybody like any actual t- um, tangible advice there. So really I would focus on more along the lines of getting some sort of consistency down that's going to work best for you, finding out what fueling is going to work best for you and how do you enjoy to move your body? And, you know, I, again, like, I think this is just kind of way overthinking a lot of these different concepts that don't really get you anywhere at all, but that's my two cents. All right. Who wants to go first? Go for it. Okay. Um, Again, coming at you with the questions. I always like to ask questions in response to questions. So um, the question is, how long should I stay in each if I want to trick my metabolism? Why do you want to trick your metabolism? Genuinely. It's mean to me. (laughs) I think the more we lean into health and long-term health and sustainable health, the more we embrace this concept that we want to work with our bodies, our bodies are not our enemies. They're not something we need to trick. There is a strong, strong, strong mind body connection that is vital in exploring and establishing if you want to sustainably pursue your health. So right off the bat, trying to trick different parts of your body or metabolism or trying to it's in my mind, I'm equating that similar to trying to like shame certain parts of your body or, um, create more of a disconnect or it's just, it's not going to be beneficial in the long run. Um, that being said, whenever I see one person coming up with a flashy marketing scheme where they're spearheading it and seeing results with their people, I always want to look into what they're actually implementing with his clients or patients. I don't know if he's a doctor or not, but clients, that's all. Um, and to, to the credit of metabolic metabolic toggling and changing your metabolism and tricking it all. There is a lot of people out there who promise a lot of tweaking your metabolism as an effective weight loss tool. So I understand the need and desire to want to follow a program like this. And I'm sure with this level of control, you're probably seeing some crazy, maybe weird and extreme results. If you have been following this, um, if you look into his different, his four different phases, They're pretty similar to four different phases that any nutrition coach will implement over a long period of time, talking one year, two year, three year, four year, five year plan, right? We actually learn how to periodize your nutrition based on where you are. We go through these phases and we don't have catchy phrases like ELEL. We don't have like little acronyms for them, but it is a process and there is scientific credence and creed behind what he's actually doing. Right. So I'll, I'll give him that, um, putting a two-year process into two weeks is 
a lot and it will certainly do something to your body, but it's not tricking your metabolism. Everyone has a threshold metabolism. Sometimes it's lower. Sometimes you're operating at a high capacity, a low capacity, but you're, you still, your metabolism is your metabolism. It's basically how your body processes energy. So that's based off of genetics and, um, lifestyle and food and, and how, how your organs and systems work. Like there's so much more to it than just what you're eating. Um, so if you do have a quote unquote lower metabolism, or you want to raise your metabolism, you can do that within the scope of your capacity and your threshold metabolism is kind of like the shortcut scientific version of that. It's not something that you can trick. It's not something that you can magically raise up by manipulating eating or working out. Um, so I understand that he has like 40%, you know, of enough, uh, studies and science to back this. And then you throw in a couple of flashy acronyms and maybe like 10 or 12 really solid client results and you get a product that you can sell. Right. Um, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of these out there. There are some true scientific studies that show some sort of, um, carb cycling, which is kind of what this is on a daily acute level. Like if you're doing five days of eating in a deficit and then you have like two refeed days or vice versa, there is some studies that show that yes, that's an effective tactic for going into a deficit specifically for fat loss. But if we're zooming out from those two weeks and, and measuring those days, looking at your health, what can you sustain for the next five years, 10 years? Do you really want to be going into a week or two to try and trick this? And then what if you don't see the results? Do you add more weeks? Like what, how do you navigate this, um, without any scientific evidence, without any accountability other than no one's going to coach you through this other than that one guy. So unless you can work with him, like good, good luck, <laughs> like, um, would be, would be my, my input. So I understand why this speaks to you and why you want to try this. Um, Annie or anyone else out there, my encouragement would be look at the science, understand the science, look at your life long-term. Does it fit? Um, probably not. That's way too much science and way too many acronyms for me to even figure out. And, um, the actual science shows that spread out over time consistently, following these period periodization through your diet with a coach who knows how to properly do that and assess if you are even ready to do that is going to be way more beneficial long-term for you mentally and physically. My turn. Okay. Um, so first I have, I've been thinking for the past couple of minutes on how I want to take this. Um, I, there's a lot of thoughts running in my head. The very first thing I want to say is like, I feel for you, Annie, um, and anyone else that, that is, is struggling with this or, or finding these things, because when you're going through that and, and you guys can both speak on this as well, when you're in that place where you're overweight and you're unhappy and, and things aren't going your way and, and you feel like nothing's working for you and you're struggling, you want anything that can possibly give you the result that you're looking for. So when someone shows you this really fancy flashy thing, like all these acronyms with, uh, I've never even heard of this before until we looked it up yesterday and it just blew my mind a little bit. Um, but you, you see these flashy things. You're like, Oh my God, that is it right there. That's gotta be it. Like he's making all these really cool claims and like all these things. And really it's just flashy periodization. Like, like Abigail was saying. Um, so, so I want to start out by saying, I, I feel for you, but fancier and flashy is not always better 
Those are things that they're using to sell you a product, not a result. Selling the result is going to come down to the basics. The basics are the basics for the reason. Um, now I want to take this kind of in another direction. Um, I think we throw the term metabolism around a lot. And I don't think a lot of people even understand what metabolism is. It's just the sum of the chemical reactions that happen in your body. It's very simple that way. So when you're trying to trick your metabolism or, or, or I like to try to shock the muscle in the gym, like the, the body, it doesn't work like that. Um, they're, they're human physiological responses based on inputs and outputs that are going to give you what you're going to have. They're going to give you those outputs or those inputs based off what you're doing. That's why we do human exercise or exercise physiology um, studies so that we can understand what those physiological responses are based off those inputs and outputs. So we have to look at this and say, is what he's saying have some validity? Sure. Cause it's just really flashy periodization, but I think you're missing the forest for the trees here. I think that you're looking for that super fancy fix. You're looking for it to have to be really hard and it doesn't have to be. It can be these really simple principles that we talk about all the time, but they're not sexy. When you wrap it up into something that's really nice and pretty and sexy, it's like, oh, cool. Well, that'll probably work because I need something crazy to make this actually happen. And unfortunately, that's just not how the body works. Because like I said, there are definable physiological things that happen based off inputs and outputs. Now we can get into a whole talk about the different phenotypes of metabolism, whether you have like a, a spend thrifty metabolism or a thrifty metabolism, that's a whole nother really nerdy talk that I think we would love to have someday, but that's not for this right now. For the most part, it, it comes down to, to consistency. Like both of you hit on, it comes down to, can we say that we're consistently moving in the right direction and we're checking off those basics every single day? If, if you can, then you're going to be moving in the right direction. If, if you can't, and you have to rely on these really fancy things or these fancy diets with a name, those, those are only products to sell you a service, not to get you to the result that you're looking for. Anything to add? I think, I think we pretty much nailed that one. One of you guys want to take the number three? Sure. Going over the most underrated and the most overrated pieces of gym equipment. Okay. I'm going to give caveats here. We're doing one at a time as we go around. Otherwise I will go through my whole list. <laughs> hmm, sounds like somebody said that before the podcast. Yeah, I know. I wrote down a list. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, so probably, do you want to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to just go down your list and we can vote overrated or underrated and then add it? Oh, no, machines? they're yeah, all okay. underrated. Oh, okay. In my opinion. Well, they're all underrated for a purpose. So I, I think we have to go in a circle. Otherwise my list doesn't work. Okay. I got to restart my list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I'll go first. Um, I think the most underrated piece of equipment, in any gym, um, Chase and I were just talking about this um, as well before the podcast is dumbbells. You can do literally anything you want with, with just dumbbells. They're so versatile. You can hit everything you possibly need to with just dumbbells. So I think those are the most underrated. And like, if you could pick just one thing to have, like dumbbells is the go-to. Yeah, Personally, 
Yeah, I, I know. I, I agree with that. I think dumbbells are perfect and you can do pretty much everything you need to do with a good set of dumbbells. Like I even love like those who like, I've had a couple of clients invest in like the adjustable, adjustable dumbbells. Mm-hmm. And I think they're amazing. Um, they're really super convenient. They pack up easy. They're transport easy for traveling. And you want to take them with you for like long periods of time. Um, they're, they're really great pieces of, um, equipment. Um, I, I would say another piece of underrated piece of equipment is resistance bands. Um, I feel like you can do so much with resistance bands, um, especially like, and, and they are very portable as well. Like you can take them everywhere you want. Um, they, you can put them in your suitcase. You can put them, you know, wherever you need to go with these. Um, if you do want to travel and take stuff with you. Um, but e- even in the gym, they're great for warming up. They're great for exercises themselves. They're great for, you know, mobility stuff. Like they're great for a lot of other different reasons. And they're also pretty versatile. I mean, like they have like different pieces, they have different types of bands. Like you have the um, ones you can like tie on things. They have the ones that have the handles. They have, you can wrap them around like different pieces of equipment and they're, they're just really, really versatile for a lot of different things. Now, are we okay. talking in the gym specifically or just like pieces of exercise equipment over Anywhere, anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Abigail? I'll go overrated. Um, one thing that I think is severely overrated, not to mention, like, I'm not saying that this thing is useless and you should not use it, but I definitely think that people go to this way more often than they should and neglect what they could be doing. In addition to this, uh, leg press machine. So overrated. I'm going there. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to disagree. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'll give you a reason. I'll give you, and then I'll have my rebuttal. I'm not saying that it is not necessary and helpful and super beneficial. I guess we also have to talk on terms of context. Like what is our context here? Context What's our our goal outcome? Right. 99% of, 99.99% of clients that I train and people that I see in the gym severely neglect unilateral work, which means working on one leg at a time strength. They typically do you know, squats are going to use both your legs. Leg presses are going to use both your legs. Um, all these things are using both legs, single leg step-ups with a high eccentric loaded are highly underutilized split squats, tempo loaded, highly underutilized curtsy squats, (laughs) lateral side steps or lateral box steps, uh, curtsy squats, lunges, um, single leg squats, all of this, like the single leg work is rarely utilized to its full potential and many of the people with hip knee ankle foot low back problems which i thought you were singing the song (laughs) so many (laughs) of you guys out there um a lot of it can be helped by addressing your strength and balances in your right and left leg and your right and left um, anatomy and your, how you're standing, how you're moving. Um, so I'm not saying that, uh, bilateral work is unnecessary. I think there should be more of a balance. And I do think that when people think of leg day, they just go to like squats and leg press and a lot of other stuff is missed in between. Okay. So I want to give some context to, to mine. I think it can be underrated or overrated depending on context. Underrated in terms of hypertrophy, I think for bilateral exercises, if your goal is hypertrophy, much better than barbell squats because it, it's very, very stable. You can create a lot of tension through the movement. You have a lot of loading potential for the movement. In context of like if you're trying to build a home gym, the footprint sucks. 
So I wouldn't put that in like a home gym. If your goal is, is functionality, I hate that word, but if your goal is functionality, I think exactly what you said is right. So I guess it really depends on context there, but I agree with you for the most part, there are probably better choices unless your goal is strictly hypertrophy. All right. Revin, what you got? Um, so I said underrated cables. Yes. Gosh, um, I, yes. Yes. <laughs> you can do preach. <laughs> you can do so many things. And Chase and I are actually going to do this. Um, we found out that our apartment gym has a functional trainer. I think that every single gym should have that. And if they don't find a new gym, because that is one of the most underrated pieces of equipment. You can do so many things on there, and it is so, so beneficial. And they're fun. They give you a crazy pump, which who doesn't yeah. love that? Well, they also add, there's a lot of rotational things that we can do, which is another thing that's highly neglected in the gym is rotational movement done properly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I would say, I'm going to go for a rated one. I am going to say, and again, this is one of those things where it's like, does it have its context of what it might be okay? Sure. But I'm going to go with the BOSU ball. <laughs> I have that on my list too. <laughs> I feel like it is one of the... I hate to like just label it, but like stupidest things that was ever admitted. I'll do it for you. Chase is too nice. It's stupid. There's 99% of the time that it's not needed. Like these people that are like trying to do squats when like the ball slides on the floor and they're trying to like create this like unstable ground and, or like they're doing like just, there's so many, or, or you're standing up on, on top of the ball when, and like trying to balance while you're doing all these different movements and things. Let's like that. not like, forget injury risk here. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, like not only just, but it's like, take that component out of it. And think about how much more weight you could be adding to that lift when you didn't have to worry about balance as well. I'm not saying balance isn't something you should ever focus on. Like it has its importance, of course, but a lot of times, like you mentioned, like the the chance of um, injury outweighs the actual benefits you could be getting from that. I think if you even go back to like Abigail's first point of like doing unilateral work, that'll help with stability long term. So like stuff like that's just completely unnecessary. Or we already have bands in our underrated. So just do banded bilateral work and that creates the best stability. Boom, boom. Yeah. All right, Abigail, what you got next? Um, I obviously didn't have as, as much prep time as you guys put into this. <laughs> oh, I, I'm I, just winging it. He, he's the one with the list. I started I writing say, the list when everyone was talking. <laughs> I will say that um, I mentioned it before, but I think that ellipticals are overrated. There's no, if you, if you're going to toss the word functionality around, I, I heard someone I hate recently, the word functionality. I'm sorry. I know I you'll like this. I heard someone recently replace functionality with practical, like practical fitness instead of functional fitness. And I kind of like that better. Yeah. Um, if we're taking that route, like, yes, the elliptical will get your heart rate up, but it's not really doing any, you're not really replicating that movement in any other area of your life. And it's kind of repetitive hitting like the what same muscles. Skiing? Yeah, well, <laughs> just kidding. If you're skiing like you on an elliptical, then that's a weird ski slope, man. <laughs> uh, I used the elliptical when I first started my fitness journey only because I didn't realize the benefits of walking. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's overrated in the sense that get on the treadmill and just walk, that's way better for you. Um, get on the stair climber, get on you know, a rower, a bike, this, the, even the skier if you want to do skiing. Okay, there you go, <laughs> get a nice hinge in there. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go with kind of a an out there one that I think that both of you will agree with. I think a very underrated piece of equipment is your body weight. I yeah. was going to say that, but I didn't want to be cheeky. I am. Because <laughs> I, I, I have all the like 
power lifter, bodybuilder things on here that are going to, we're going to talk about, but I want to make sure that I also threw that one out there. I think that training with your body weight and if you're like in a hotel or you're traveling like all or something, you can do some crazy workouts with, with just your body weight and it'll really hurt in a good way. (laughs) Also with like the underrated stuff, I would also throw in a kettlebell in there as well. Um, I know I don't do a lot of kettlebell work, but I feel like it's definitely another very versatile tool just like a dumbbell basically um for a lot of people because it's great for like unilateral work because that's a great it has the handle on it and you can do a lot with it as well like with upper body lower body core and stuff like that like you can do a whole lot of things with a kettlebell personally the only reason i don't utilize kettlebells is because they're just not available at the places that i've trained at they're they're not as accessible as dumbbells sounds like i think they're great it is (laughs) shots hard send me uh some kettlebells please I'll use them all day. <laughs> um, I'm going to go underrated as well. I think a box, a nice, good box. You can do step ups. You can do squats to it. You can do elevated push ups off of it. You can do step overs. Um, I had one client that I coached through COVID and all she had was a box and a set of dumbbells. And this lady made gains for months um, without having any equipment. And also just like, I'm going to tie in, we might as well just throw like a bench as well. Like same, same yeah. kind of concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. Box but bench. also just yep. for people listening, a bench is just as good as like a box. Mm-hmm. Revin? Um, I'm going to go, it, this one is for if you are like building a home gym or something like that, and you can just have one piece of equipment, I'm going to go barbell. Um, I think that a lot of people, especially with the, the TikTok optimal people, you don't necessarily see people talking about how versatile a barbell can really be. Like you can do everything you you possibly need with a barbell and the loading potential is really high for it. Um, so I think barbells are underrated in that sense. I don't think before TikTok they were underrated. Yeah. Um, Abigail, were you going to say something about that? Not about that. I just thought of something else. Okay. I, I'm going to throw in one and, I, and I'm kind of just curious and, and Brevin and I actually chatted a little bit about this someday last week or last or earlier, a couple of days ago, whatever it was, but I'm going to say it's underrated as in it's a very inexpensive piece of equipment that can be easily used in a lot of places is the TRX straps. Um, very underrated because and yes it kind of plays along with like what you said body weight earlier but like i almost threw that in there i like i have like i have well i don't have them here with me in michigan but there's back where i was living in virginia um but some trx straps that i bought during covid um and let me tell you you (laughs) they will work your ass off (laughs) but you get a crazy pump and like the stability stuff that required for that it's pretty intense so and it's also really great because you can adjust really easily your difficulty by like how far away you're standing away from the wall and or all you know all the other areas you can like adjust your difficulty and the tempo and you can definitely get a great pump and workout from trx straps all right so i'm being fast and loose with the word equipment but something in a gym that most gyms have that i think that all gyms should not have is mirrors the most overrated thing in a gym ever get them out you don't need them film yourself or work with a coach but other than that i don't think gym should have mirrors hot take hot like that's a, hot that's take. a hill i'll die that's a, like a very important <laughs> yeah i mean i guess like I, so my first instinct was like yeah 
oh, but what about like like checking form and stuff like that in the mirror? But that's when you brought up a good point of like film yourself. And I already do that. So I, and like, it's even like, you know, the, the um, powerlifting gym that we most recently started working out, they don't have mirrors. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely, I guess like I've been okay without them. Like you, like you said, like with filming myself, but correction, you've been better without them. <laughs> but so my, my only question is where am I going to flex my juicy quad pump? Oh no. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. I think this one might be controversial to one of you. <laughs> Booty <Please>. bands. <laughs> Overrated as hell. Booty bands. I think those are, are one of the most overrated things you can use. Um, They don't really make, I think that if you want to warm up with them, great. Or if they're for, I've used them for like very specific um coaching tools, but I think using them for squats, using them for RDLs, especially hurts my brain. Um, they don't do what you think they're doing. They're not giving you more glute gains. They're probably taking away glute gains. So I think they're extremely overrated and please stop pushing them. TikTok girls, Instagram girls, please. <laughs> yeah. All those girls you see on TikTok, they have like the, the big booties and the big, and they're using the booty bands. Trust me. They're not getting those gains from the band. I, can, I use bands that. with my clients who need a lot of prehab and rehab, like retraining muscle mind um, mm -hmm. connection and learning how to, like, if you're squatting and you have some sort of vagus, like maybe you're not pressing your big toe in, maybe we have some VNL, VMO disconnection. Like there's, there's ways that it can help to add some resistance in, in reconnecting how your muscles should be moving and engaging. Um, and you, you definitely can get some good, like glute isolation exercises with that. But again, it's more for isolation and rehab, prehab, and just kind of stability work. It's not for something that I would like use for cranking out reps and hypertrophy. I think. Yeah. I, I, I agree really with very, me. very specific training purposes. I think it has its place, um, for the things that you said. So I'm going to go with one that's underrated. And this is actually something I have actually never used. However, I will say it's just because I just don't have them. Um, and this is actually something that I got. Um, I learned about from my former coach, shout out best coach ever, Gordon lips. Um, it's like the fractionated plates that you can add to dumbbells. Um, I think they're super cool. I just never like invested in a set of them. Um, but basically it's, you can add in like a quarter pound, half pound, um, one pound, you know, two pounds, three pounds, like I think for whatever increments they come in, whatever, but basically you can like add in the like little tiny weights and they clip right onto your um, dumbbell. And so it's a great way to get in. You know, we just talked about last night on the live in our group, Abigail, like you've talked about progressive overload and it's a great way to really work on building the progressive overload, especially like once you get to the point where it's like, maybe you're doing, let's say you're doing like lateral raises with like 15 or something like that. And you're like, you know, you, you want to go up, but like 20 seems a little bit too much for you right now. Cool. Slap on like the one or two pound fractionated plate or whatever it is that you have and go up, you know, to 16, 17 pounds rather than right up to 20. Um, I, think I think to even come off of that one too, I, I, I would say add to that the ones like just the change plates for barbells, like the yeah. very, very smallest amount you can go up. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. Like I said, I, I would love, I wish I had a pair of those, but I, I don't. You just gave me another idea too. <laughs> but I think they're great. And um, again, shout out Jordan Lips for that recommendation. I can't really think of many more. I'm, I'm kind of a, a use what you got. We can make the most of what you have type person. So there's not a many that I think are overrated or underrated. Um, 
there's a lot of cool toy that the gym down here that I'm visiting is, has so many cool equipment pieces that I've literally never seen before ever. And I think they're a blast. So, um, I don't know. I'd be, I, my only, my, my only final input here would be if you find yourself using the same three things in the gym all the time and you're not getting any results, then they're probably overrated. Okay. I'll run through the rest of my list. Um, I think the Smith machine is massively underrated in terms of hypertrophy. Um, I think the hack squat, well, you don't like the Smith machine. <laughs> Hold on. I, I think, I think we need a little conversation about this. I said, in, in terms of hypertrophy, if your goal is specifically hypertrophy, the Smith machine is one of the best tools you can use. Okay. Thoughts. In, in terms of hypertrophy in that very small window only is what we're there talking. You go. Yes. Keep, yes. keep, keep slimming down your audience there. We're going for one kind of, kind yeah, of, in audience. terms of hypertrophy. I don't yeah. think that if your goals, I guess if, if your goal is strength, it, it can still have its applications as well. Again, if your goals functionality, I'm doing air quotes, then like probably not the best thing to use. As in, um, if you are a gen general population person and you just want to get stronger and move better and have a better life outside the gym. Yes. If you want to get jacked and look really <laughs> cool, then Smith machine. Um, I think the hack squat is, I, I wouldn't even, I'd say, wouldn't even necessarily say underrated. I just don't think that it gives enough, enough credit. Again, same thing as the Smith machine outside of like doing barbell squats. That's the best exercise that you can do um, in terms of hypertrophy for your quads. It's extremely stable. It's got a very high loading potential. Um, it's fantastic exercise. You could also throw the uh, pendulum squat in there, but not many people have access to that. Um, two more underrated that aren't actually pieces of equipment. They're things that you can get to bring into the gym. Number one is lifting straps. Again, in terms of hypertrophy, if your grip is what's giving out, um, and it's not allowing you to actually load the muscles like your back or your posterior chain um, to a significant degree, then that's going to limit you in the long run. So take your and grip out of the equation. Then, 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 then strengthen your grip because it's one of the number two, it's one of the top two um, indicators of longevity in life is grip and lung capacity. So strengthen your grip. Well, you can still strengthen your grip, but you can do other exercises outside of if you're doing an RDL, which is a very, very important exercise. I think it's one of the top three exercises you should do in the gym, um, which I just made that list up in my head right now. Um, but I do think it's up there that if you're doing that and your loading potential is cut down so severely because of your grip, yeah, work on your grip, but don't let that hinder you for weeks and weeks at a time until your grip catches up. Um, I also think that the gym pin, um, kind of going off what Chase said, it's a little device that you can use to put into machines so you can add smaller plates to it. So if they go up in bigger increments, you can go up in smaller increments so you can continue to progressively overload. Yep. Cool. And we went through a lot there. Let's move on to the next one. Um, someone asked, you know, I'm only eating 1200 calories a day, but I'm not losing weight. Why? Why, Brevin? Why? well, you're probably not eating 1200 calories a day, um, would be my first thought, uh, is if you're eating 1200 calories a day and you're not losing weight, let's take a, let's first take a real look. Let's take a week and make sure we're being very, 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 very accurate with saying that we're eating 1200 calories because those little licks and bites and stuff like that, that you're taking, or the, if you're eating 1200 calories for four days in a row, and then you don't track the binge that you had because you're so hungry, that still counts. And that's putting you over your calories. 
Um, so are you actually eating 1200 calories would be my very first thought. Abigail, your thoughts on that? I would want to know more about your history, what it's looked like for the past five, 10 years, um, and even five and 10 months. How long have you been eating 1200 calories? How long have you tried, um, to eat at that level? How long have you been consistent with it? Um, were you losing weight before eating 1200 consistently? And then it kind of plateaued and dropped off or there's a lot more to the history that I would want to know here, um, before giving any sort of insight. Um, especially if you've had, you know, factoring in any sort of weight loss intervention from, um, like a surgical or medicinal point of view, we'd want to check and see, um, what other factors are at play. So there could be a lot, there could be a lot to this question. Um, and there's a, unless we identify the problem, we can't really give it a, give an ideal or efficient solution. Yeah. I also think that a lot of people, um, will say like, Hey, I'm in a calorie deficit. I'm not losing weight. That calorie deficit, 1200, whatever calories it is. Like if you're not losing weight by definition, not in a calorie deficit, there are a ton of other factors that go into why that might be, but we have to first look at, like I said, how how much are we actually eating? Are we actually in a calorie deficit? Cause if you are, you're going to be losing weight, but there's a lot of other factors like things that Abigail just, just mentioned that might be causing you to have a quote unquote, slower metabolism. So you're not in a deficit anymore. Yeah. And I, th I think that's, you know, it, again, it all comes down to being extremely aware, like what's currently going on. Like, what does your day look like? You know, are you like, like rather than mention, like counting every little thing and, and not saying that you have to be obsessive over it, but just creating that awareness. Like if, you know, it's a lot, it's really easy for us to just label, I eat 1200 calories, but if you're eating 1200 calories, more than likely nine chances, nine and a half chances out of 10, you should be in a calorie deficit. Anybody should be, unless you're like really tiny. Um, but for the most part, if, if you're not, if you're struggling to lose weight and you're having a time with that, um, honestly, one of the, my favorite things to do with, I've done a couple of clients before is we start to actually increase calories a little bit because what I've started to realize is they then find themselves being more consistent because a lot of times, like you all have already mentioned, we're not eating 1200 calories every single day. Usually it leads to either a binge or maybe we're just not being more aware of all the little bites, looks and tastes. And once we increase calories, some more, maybe a more sustainable range, like let's say 15, 16, 17, 18, 1900 calories. Then it's like, they can finally adhere to that a lot better. And that's when they start seeing the results they're looking for. I think that's a fantastic point. Like, were you actually eating 1200 calories? Maybe some days, but other days you weren't eating 1200 calories. But when you're eating 17 or 1800 calories and you're doing that relatively consistently, we're actually consistently in a deficit now. So now by definition, you're actually losing weight. Yep. Anything else from either of you all on that one? Cool. When do y'all want to take the fifth question? I feel like I'm doing all of the right things, but when I weigh myself, the scale isn't down. I don't feel like I'm doing the right things. This is a question I got from a client this week. Um, she said that if she checks the scale and the scale doesn't go down, she doesn't feel like she's doing the right things. So the first conversation we had is just preliminary, like briefly talking about trusting the process. Um, and Chase and I have a lot of kind of lives and different discussions about this on our Facebook group. I'm sure Brevin does as well. Um, what does trusting the process mean? What does it look like? What to do when we get uncomfortable with our progress or what we think we should be seeing? Um, 
But then the other thing I, I kind of talked about with this client is what do you mean by right things? Like how much does that scale dictate, um, your overall progress? So this client's moving way better. She's able to do a lot more, um, exercises throughout the week. She's moving some weight. Um, she had a pretty intense medical procedure that she was able to recover from, which if she had been eating the calories that she had been eating when we started working together, I don't think the recovery would have been as smooth as it was. Um, she has been sleeping better, increased energy, um, you know, mental acuity and sharpness is there. So there's things that she's improving and she's talking about improving in her check-ins. And then when it comes to the scale, um, it kind of zaps all of that progress away. So it's, it comes down to that power that you're giving the scale to dictate your feelings. And if you're putting any of your progress or value in what that scale is telling you. Um, so that's something that we want to dive in a little bit deeper from like an emotional and mental level. But that being said, there will be weeks, months, days where the scale will go up or down or stay the same. And, um, we want to look at overall trends, which is why we look at this process in like year segments. So we look at like working at you for a year or two years or five years or 10 years and not like, oh, the scale went up this Monday. So I must be extreme this week. So I can go down next Monday. Um, it's going to go up and down. We want to look at trends over time, or if you are not weighing yourself, which might be a good thing to do if you feel like your value or, um, progress is impacted by your emotional response to the scale, then we can look at all the other progress markers, how your clothes are fitting, your sleep, your energy, your strength, your gym, your, your weights in the gym, um, confidence, mental sharpness, you know, hormones, things like that. Um, and look at how those are progressing versus just reducing yourself down to a number on the scale. Cause you're way more than that. I think when you see a number on the scale and it's not necessarily the number that you're hoping to see, um, and that usually means that the scale isn't either moving down or it moved up. I think we have to to really take a step back and objectively look at why that is. What are the factors that are contributing to why that scale isn't moving the way that we want to? And a lot of times when, when I ask this question, you, you can point things out to like, oh, well, I ate later or I did X, Y, or Z or whatever it comes down to. There, there's reasons on why that is. But we also have to take an even further step back, I think. And not use just the scale to to really look at progress like you really talked about. We have to look at biofeedback markers, sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, stress. We have to look at performance in the gym. We have to look at all of these other factors. How are our clothes fitting? How are we feeling? Those are all way more important factors than, than the scale. And then take an even further step back. No one, none of us as coaches care what that actual number is because we know that that number means absolutely nothing. But we, we do look at trends. We, we look and see how that's moving over time, weeks, months, years. How is that scale trending? Because that is one singular, very small data point that we use to make informed decisions on our, our plan going forward. Is it the most important? Definitely not. I'd say it's probably the least important. But we do look at trends. So I think that it's taking those steps back and, and trying to really objectively look at why the scale is that way. And again, I know nothing about this person. But if, if they're in the gym and crushing it and building muscle point, if they're eating more and feeling better and they have more energy and they're doing all of these great things, their clothes are fitting better, inches are dropping, but 
but the scale didn't move. Let, let's take a step back and objectively look at it. And, and I like to phrase this of like, if your best friend came up to you and asked these questions, you would point out all of the awesome things they're doing right now. But when it comes to you, you well, the scale didn't move. So like, we just have to give ourselves a little bit of that grace, I think, and, and really objectively look at, at why that is. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, you all really, you all really covered that one a lot already. So it's not really much I can really add to that other than I would definitely like to just throw in there, like make sure we're removing the timeline from all of this. I think that that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people get caught up in is like they set the initial goal for themselves. So let's say you do, you know, some people may set a weight loss goal in the very beginning. Like I'm going to lose 30 pounds, 50 pounds, hundred pounds, whatever it may be. And you feel like you have to lose that in a certain amount of time. Like maybe it's like, I want to lose it by the end of the end of the year. Or, you know, if you're working with a coach, you know, maybe it's like, Oh, I need to lose that by the time I'm done working with them in that six months or 12 month period. Um, and we set these timelines for ourselves and it just, it make, it has so much unnecessary pressure. And a lot of times it makes it a lot easier to trust the process when there's no timeline attached to that process. If you feel like, you know, oh, if I don't get it done within this amount of time, then I'm failing. Well, there's a little more that goes into that. And I think you need to kind of look at it from a broader perspective and remember, like, you don't have to lose this in a certain amount of time. You have your entire life. And I, like I always love to say, you know, 90 year old you isn't going to care whether it took you two weeks, two months or two years to lose the weight and reach your goal, whatever that may be. All she's going to care about is if you're happy and healthy and you've maintained your results when you're on, when you're 90 years old. So I, I just want to like throw that in there as well. It's just like a caveat to really remember that guys, like just remove that timeline and don't focus on having to get everything done as quick as you can. Yeah. I agree. Anything else? I think we kind of covered it all. Sweet. Any other comments, anything else that you guys want to leave anybody with before we close out this one for today? No, I think we're good. Awesome. I think we've talked about it enough. <laughs> enough ranting for today y'all, uh-huh. did y'all get it out of your system no Bre- Brevin's probably getting ready to go gear up and make you know five more TikToks and roast some more people <laughs> stop saying stupid stuff I won't have to roast you <laughs> alright guys well let's go and wrap this one up for today if you guys have any other questions if you listen to this and you're like oh I have some more questions and you want your question answered on the show Go down to the show notes. You will see a link to ask your question. Um, we've been getting some really good ones. And again, this doesn't have to be anything that it doesn't have to be these complex questions. It doesn't have to be. It do, I don't care how simple it is, uh, how long it is, or even ask if it's us just, our favorite ice cream. Yeah, like, I don't care what it is. We'll talk about anything. Um, the right but, answer. <laughs> what's that? I said cookie knows the right answer. Incorrect. Um, <laughs> um, but. Um, we will be happy to answer any questions you guys may have. And um, even if it's just a topic that you were like, Hey, I'd love to hear three people like debate about this one topic better than there. As you guys know, we love to debate Except politics. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not going to bring that up on here. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we have for today. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye guys. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing health podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.